0: Today's conversation is with Worshipful Brother Phil Queen. Worshipful, in Masonic vernacular, is taken to mean honorable, and this title is given to members of the Masonic fraternity who have served as Worshipful Master of a Masonic Lodge for a period of at least one year. Typically, this distinction is reserved for Masons who have spent a great deal of time and effort in the study of Masonry and service to their Lodge and community. Aside from his strictly Masonic achievements, what I find so interesting about Phil is that he's also immersed himself in the traditions of the Orient, having lived in China for a number of years, and has studied Chinese medicine, martial arts, herbalism, as well as the art of Gong Fu tea. Poised between the Western mysteries and symbolism of Freemasonry, and the energy work and Eastern philosophy of esoteric Taoism, Phil has a unique perspective regarding traditions East and West as well as his practical approach to their intersection. I sat down for some tea with Worshipful Brother Phil at Asheville Masonic Temple to discuss two of my favorite topics, Taoism and magic. I'm Mike Baker, and this is the Arcanum Podcast. like sit you down and ask you mm. ask you a bunch of questions about uh everything you know about mm. uh Taoist alchemy and energy work and stuff like that but I don't think we've ever talked about how you got into it.
1: No. I guess not, man. Yeah, cuz so. it's
0: not it's not every day that uh you know westerners from from North Carolina get into like serious. It's a different story if like you go down a rabbit hole on YouTube but get into serious <laughs> energy cultivation. <Right. laughs>
1: Yeah, man, I mean, I don't know, I guess, because I've always kind of been into what you might term the esoteric, just in general, and I think, like most people, especially in Western societies, you know, we get are into that sort of stuff, you go through that journey of, oh, let's look at, like, Celtic paganism, like, let's look at Wicca, like, what's going on there, it's like, you go through all these things, everybody goes to a dark phase, ooh, the Necronomicon, what's that, oh, that's bullshit, and <laughs> on and on, right, um, yeah so given that I think my one of my first like real forays into that realm um, well, two things kind of happen simultaneously. um are you familiar with uh Johnlo work and the the flower of life Yes, have a meditation yeah, I've not read any
0: of that stuff, but i am I'm, I'm definitely aware of it,
1: yeah, so I had gotten into that you know and, and um doing some meditations and and energy like chakra work there. I never went straight into like like. Hindu like Vedic chakra work like mm. I did for a while, but it wasn't something that that stuck with me uh, So I was I was really into like Merkaba meditations and light body sort of stuff And then um, is that
0: what's in the drum Melchizedek it, thing?
1: yeah, he was one of the first guys to come out with like like a, I know now that it's like Atlantean technology, right? So you're you know spinning tetrahedrons and like <laughs> opposite directions and like Fibonacci sequence ratios and, mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets real wild, but um Yeah, so around that time, it was in college, too, that a guy named um, Fu Wei Zhong, or Zhong Wei Fu, I can't remember his name. Uh, He was a a lineage holder, and I can't remember which one, 30, we'll say 33rd, at Umeishan, and... and, um, which is a, a Buddhist mountain actually in China, and he had gotten some uh, message from spirit, what have you, to like go out and travel the world and like teach his qigong form for free. And he happened to come to Asheville, I guess, because it's of a course. center for that sort of thing. And he ended up he ended up giving like a week long uh, qigong seminar at UNCA or on UNCA campus for free, like anybody that wanted to show up. When was that? It. This was back in the day. This is probably like early two thousands. Late 90s, early 2000s. Um, yeah, and, and Asheville was just one of the cities, and America was just one of the countries. This dude was literally traveling the world, teaching his form, like for free. Anyway, yeah, so that kind of got me into the the, the Chinese realm. Uh, at the time, I was also studying uh, martial arts. I was studying a kind of gong uh, Fu from southern China called um Hong Gar. Oh, man, yeah, or, that's... Or Hong Chun. Is that
0: the, um, that's like, is that like the joint locking, the grappling? Yeah.
1: Uh, that's a part of it, yeah. It's, it's very, like, hard external. It's yeah. one of those styles that, like, starts very hard and external, and then by the time you get to the final highest form, it's essentially, like, qigong. You know? Like, the, the first one's, like, real, like, heavy sort of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, like, by the time you get to the highest form, you're just, like, doing this. like <laughs> Yeah. Awaken the qigong. <laughs> yeah, <there>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Like, Which makes sense, because if you would have started me on that back in the day, <laughs> I'd have been like, no. It's like...
0: Yeah, that's I, I I had a similar experience. I started out I I worked with this um this Thai teacher up uh mm-hmm. in New York when I was there and he had decided that uh my my body type and everything like that and just the way I yeah. my gait, I'm very young. We did more like yin Sort of, uh, sort of mm. stuff like the the Wing Chun type of center line stuff. Where that
1: stuff's cool. Yeah,
0: it's cool. It, my body has a hard time acclimating to that stuff. Right. But yeah, it really like by the time we had we were like a year and a half, two years deep into this stuff, it was like I was doing Qigong Gong most of the time.
1: Yeah, you definitely have more of a, like a Hungar style. You would be good at Hungar.
0: I've just heard so much about all the Hungar guys and like how
1: how intimidating that style can (laughs) be yeah it's very like like tiger-esque you know right Um, but that's why it was kind of good for me kind of like you it's like my natural body type is not like super like muscular heavy like young so it was a really good like conditioning Mm. for me but um yeah so I was in the martial arts at the time young college kid you know watching Dragon Ball Z doing martial arts (laughs) and you know this guy's coming to teach qigong I'm like awesome I'm gonna learn how to like throw fireballs and shit you know (laughs) Send my chi right. Across the room, yeah, uh, but that really was like one of the first times that I had like direct experience with that particular thing. You know, the the movement of energy through like channels and like uh, the Chinese method of that. Because prior to that, like I guess I, I just kind of stumbled into it. Because growing up, I was always more into like Japanese martial arts. And mm. I just happened to uh, happened to find this school, and me and a college friend started studying that style. And and I'd also always been into like I guess you would call it. I guess now they call it, like, holistic healing, herbs and stuff. Like, right. non-mainstream, non-pharmaceutical, non, like, you know, uh, like, what's uh, allopathic, like, Western medicine. It's like, oh, there's yeah. got to be more to, like, there's other stuff going on here. Besides, these guys seem super corrupt anyway. Um, so that naturally, with the martial arts, got me into, like, Chinese medicine. I was like, oh, well, let's look at Chinese medicine. And it appealed to me because it was very, like, Potion esque, you're mixing like fifteen different herbs that are prepared in different ways, uh-huh. and you're like making these little potions, you yeah. know? Can, um, yeah, decoctions <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, that's
0: how that's how you and I, I think, started talking about the Taoist stuff is because mm. you know I had studied Chinese medicine, and, yeah. and you were the tea guy here. You knew, you know, I showed up here mm. at uh, Asheville Masonic yeah. Temple, and you were the guy doing the Gong gongfu. Tea yeah. service, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's a little yeah. East meets West here. We right, use right, a teapot right. as well, but it's uh, you you knew all the um, the teas, and they were they were Chinese, and mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, this this guy seems into it. And then I found out that you lived in China for a time. Right. But we'll talk more about that.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I remember that part when I met you because you actually knew a bit about tea as well. Because a lot of people be like, oh yeah, I like teas, and then when I start talking about Chinese tea, it's like, oh, that's a little foreign, you know. In the, in America, we we definitely have more of a connection to. To Japanese culture, I guess just from probably our influence there in, in the Second World War and but uh, yeah I remember I was like, oh this guy actually not only knows a little bit about teas the Chinese medicine too.
0: so, so you, you were doing you were doing hungar and you're studying that stuff and then at, at the highest forms you ended up doing Qigong kind of like subtle body movement. Right. at that point, was it just looked at as a physical thing or or were you were you focused like you were saying, were you working with the meridians and
1: the, the Jing luo? Yeah, not, not really until I started getting studying in like Chinese medicine. once I started really studying Chinese medicine and like five element theory and like mm-hmm. you know the, the the different meridians and channels in the body and how that connected to some of the other stuff, obviously we're more familiar in the West with uh, like the Vedic chakra system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Again, just because of, I guess, the cultural influence from that. But yeah, I mean, that's whenever I started really uh, realizing there was like something else there. There was something to it.
0: How old were you around that time?
1: I'm terrible with age, man. Like, probably? 26, 25, 26. 20s. Yeah, yeah, okay. mid 20s.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's a really good time to get into stuff. Yeah. Because, like, you get into stuff as a teenager, and, and, you know, it can it can be like you can go through phases, and it can be mm. over in like a month. But I feel like in your mid-twenties, late-twenties, if you really start to enjoy something and get into it, you have the maturity to stick with it, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I didn't even anticipate... It's not like something that I was trying to do or, like, wanted to do from... You know, when it comes to the esoteric stuff, I was definitely more into, you know, the whole uh, Celtic, pagan, even Egyptian stuff. That was kind of my thing that I was... uh, that I found the most intriguing. But, yeah, it wasn't until I kind of... Got into martial arts, Chinese martial arts, which led me to Chinese medicine, which led me to 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 qigong, and then ultimately to uh, Taoist internal alchemy, of which qigong is one part. There's a lot of other uh, energy work and meditation and stuff that goes on with that.
0: So, would you say that that's the aspect today that you're most interested in, the Taoist alchemy? Mm-hmm. I
1: would say so. Yeah, another <clears throat> another thing, because I know you know a little bit about Western alchemy too, you know, and so and I know a little bit about that. I mean, Western alchemy, I see, like, a mix of internal stuff that you're doing mm-hmm. as well as, like, laboratory alchemy. Yes. And a lot of times it's, like, separated these days. You know, like, yeah. I know people that are, like, legit laboratory alchemists that mm-hmm. do stuff. And I know people that are full-on, like, internal alchemists that, like, don't mess with, like, glassware. The,
0: the interesting thing is that the two kind of never get to... It's very rare that they meet each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... Um, and I don't mean, like, physically in person. Right. Right. I mean, coming to an understanding because there's there's a school of thought where uh, okay, so there's there's spiritual alchemy, like that's right. practiced in the Golden Dawn,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: is a, it's based on the Salve at Coagula. Mm-hmm. We're going to take apart the constituent elements of your psyche, and we're going to do that in a ritual format, mm-hmm. which essentially osirifies you. Right. We literally take you apart. Your your, yeah. your <laughs> constituents are on the altar when you come in. And then we move them
1: mm-hmm.
0: as you are being yeah. bound and wrapped up and, mm-hmm. and, and mummified, <laughs> right. really. And, uh, and there's a spiritual alchemy and you get to a certain point where now you have to put the pieces back together mm. yourself. Right. You've, you've, you've spent time in each of these parts of yourself mm. calling forth this imagery and relating how, how that affects you practically in the world. What, what does fire look like in my life? passion you know what, what 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 is creativity what does that look like in my life and then you you come to know the good you come to know the bad you never really fully master it i think that's right, when, right. by the time you get that figured out it's like see you in the next life <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but 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 there is a there, there's a branch of alchemy associated uh with that kind of western hermeticism that says it kind of follows this microcosm macrocosm theory. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I the spiritual process I want to occur to me, I am going to put this plant material through.
1: Right, right. And right. that
0: is going to be a microcosmic example mm-hmm. of what I want in my comparative macrocosm to have happen. And so it's not even just the process of going through the alchemy and you know, distilling and it's then then taking that inward. Right, you know, uh, having it be potable and and absorbing that essence, and like you say, it's it's it involves a certain amount of meditation, and certainly, I would say invocation of of the highest has to happen. That's that's something right. that that Chick Cicero says. Like the main difference between an alchemist
1: and a chemist, one prays to God before the operation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard that. The other one that I've heard that I like is that the, the difference. What separates chemistry from alchemy is that the alchemist considers him or herself to be the key ingredient in the formulas. Right. right? right. Recognizing that consciousness affects matter and, and intentionally do, like, affecting that. Right. Yeah, With purpose, not just like not knowing what you're doing. Yeah. Because that's, so. especially
0: even in spiritual alchemy, that's really what all we're talking about. Consciousness yeah that's what you're working on you know right. you're, you're working on your there's, there is nothing else that is the prima materia, you know <laughs> because it's it all starts there you know even even yeah. like your physical life your body it's ultimately your consciousness that decides what kind of food I'm putting in my body how much sleep I'm getting you know uh, mm-hmm. how much exercise I'm getting it's your your consciousness is is the command center and that's really what we're working on when we talk about Mm. spiritual alchemy but have you ever have you ever seen or been a part of or 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 taken taken part of laboratory alchemy
1: in any way vaguely yeah Uh, a friend of mine has a a laboratory which i haven't seen i just know it i kind of nerd out on it like i'm into that sort of stuff i like watch youtube videos on it and stuff but i don't have like direct experience with creating that, Uh, except for Ormus. I've made Ormus before, but um, yeah, as for actual like spagyric tinctures and stuff, it's something I'd be really interested in in getting into, but uh, I live in an apartment, and I'm looking at doing crazy stuff, so you're you're probably gonna need like a fume hood for, (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, I'll build that over at my place, and we can can, can do that. So I guess the Chinese herbal tradition does come into play for you, you know, I know that you're a big fan of, I mean, that's putting it lightly, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're very much interested in, in, in teas, and, and that's part of what you do for, for, right. for your work. And um, But how, did, how does that work personally with the work you do?
1: As for, like, herbal medicine and stuff like that, it's, it's definitely something I still use in my daily life. Because my, my undergrad degree was in traditional Chinese medicine. Uh, so after school, I was like, you know, I could go, like you were saying, and you know, spend those that four years and actually get licensed to practice, and then I could start up a business and like get clients and and, and that you know whole nine yards. Um, instead, I just wanted to go on adventures in China, so that's what I did. <laughs> Tell me about that, man. I, n- I
0: never, I heard, I, I think I heard through 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 Stanford, and I heard, Mm. I think maybe your dad might have mentioned it when he was here. Yeah. That you had lived in China, but I never really heard too much about your experiences there,
1: why you went, how long you were there for. Yeah, just having studied traditional Chinese martial arts and then traditional Chinese medicine and getting more insight to the culture of it, I was like, you know, I kind of, I didn't want to, first of all, I wasn't ready to settle down, spend four years and a couple, you know, grand to build a business and yeah. just like sit here and do that for the next like 20 30 years so i definitely wanted to go on adventures i definitely wanted to see china right so i was like well i'll just go over there get the license to teach you know, teach them english mm-hmm. if i don't like it then i'll like come back and yeah i ended up staying for about five and a half years wow over there i did not know that yeah and uh yeah i never actually even came back to the states during that time too because it was like you know, I could spend a thousand US dollars to fly back to America, which I already know, or I could spend like maybe $200 to like go to Thailand and see like stuff I've never seen. Uh-huh, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I, anytime I had vacation, I would just travel somewhere else in Asia. Did yeah, you study anything there? Well, it's funny because at that time, like I was, yeah, I was more into adventuring as opposed to like learning stuff, you know. Uh, I was definitely in the Chinese medicine, that was one of my, my, uh, Motivations for moving to another city. I started out in the small city in the south of China. It was small back then. It's, it's gotten much bigger since then. Uh, Zhuhai. It's the name of the city. It's now uh, connected to a bunch of other other places and stuff. Um, but yeah, and then I moved further north to a city called Hangzhou. And realized too at the time, like Zhuhai. I don't want to get too much into like you know a history lesson. But, like, in the 1980s, when when, when Deng Xiaoping was trying to open up China, uh, he created these things called special economic zones. And the whole idea was to infuse a bunch of money into it to, like, build this city and make it, like, an economic center. Mm -hmm. And that's how, like, Shenzhen was created. Right? Like, Guangzhou was like an old, old city. Whereas Shenzhen was like a brand new city that was just kind of like built. It's now like one of the largest cities in China. It's like the tech capital of China, which kind of makes it the tech capital of the world in a lot of ways. And Zhuhai was the same thing. It was a small fishing village until they spent like probably millions, billions of dollars, I don't know, into like building this city. And now you have this brand new city that was built in the 1980s. So it kind of had that feel. Whereas Hangzhou was the capital of China and the Southern Song Dynasty so wow. it's a it's an old old city that's been there for hundreds and hundreds of years it's got, got like these ancient gardens there oh, uh, West Lake that's where uh, Dragonwell or Longjing Tea comes from so there's like tea plantations everywhere it's definitely more traditional people you know playing arhu and stuff in the streets mm-hmm. that's where the Chinese Medicine Museum is one of the reasons why I went there it's just a cool city how long did it take right. you to learn
0: the language you, you learn the
1: language right I learned enough yeah. to like yeah be independent right you know. Did it take uh, you a long time? Were you studying before you went? Or? No. <laughs> no, I literally I, I literally showed up. Not, I think I got like a CD or something and like listened to it. And it tells you, ni hao. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's yeah. like, yeah. Uh, okay, I can say hello and like thank you, yeah. kind of. No, yeah, I, I picked it up while I was there. Partially because you have to, because nobody you know, spoke English. Right. Uh, but also I wanted to learn a language. So, I, you know, I had a tutor a couple of times. When I moved cities there, I... You know, obviously, my tutor lived in that city, so it's kind of a bummer. She was really good. Yeah, it's a perishable skill too, because I have very few chances to practice now that I live here in mm. Asheville. Mm. So, yeah, if you don't if you don't use it, you lose it. And yeah, I,
0: I in, when I was in school for Chinese medicine, I, I was around a lot of people who had you know grown up in China and mm-hmm. moved to the U.S. in like the 80s and 90s, and, and it's a wild language, to- tonal. Yeah, it's there's, a tonal there, language. There's just yeah. different tones for the same yeah. actual like phonetic, yeah, word or 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 sound right. or syllable, it, and depending on the the tone you use, meaning like inflection. You know, yeah. it is a musical language. It means something it completely different. Which that was like I I don't know if I'll ever be able to <laughs> learn. I learned a little bit of the Pinion right because you have to for for, for herbal. Right. You know. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's um. There's actually not that many phonetic sounds in Chinese. It's the tones that distinguishes them. And even then, there are some same sounds, same tone. It's just depending on how it's used in the sentence. Context. context. Yeah, context yeah. is a big deal. You keep up with what's going on there still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Think about going back.
0: Everyone.
1: I mean, if they ever like get it together, <laughs> yeah. they're kind of losing their minds at the moment.
0: Well, everyone moment. is. <Yeah>.
1: Give me the rub behind
0: like well, – well, go ahead. Tell me. What well, you I was
1: going to say it, it, it was also in college that, um, that I was first introduced. Uh, I started seeing this lady who was doing it's – essentially it's like – now that I reflect on it, she was doing some like, mixture of like counseling, but she was also using like numerology and some sort of like energetic healing work. I don't know what it was. It wasn't Reiki. Mm. You know, that's the one that most people do these days Right. it was something else I don't even know if it was something that you could learn or if it was just her intuition but it was like right. super powerful and she was the first person to introduce me to uh, Michael Wynn's work who does like Qigong and like dallas alchemy and stuff like that
0: is, is, the, do, you, do you find that his work is is reliable for that kind of stuff
1: yeah absolutely and I had gotten into, into it back then and then I kind of like moved on Right. I graduated from school and hung out here in Nashville. And then I like moved to China and had adventures there and, and then came back and it wasn't like many, many years later until recently that I like kind of like rediscovered that and like went back into it and realized like, Oh, this is like the stuff I was looking for. Cause it mm. was, a, you know, we're all on our, on, on our journey. Right. And we can only, we're only exposed to certain things. If you're not exposed to something, you don't even know it exists. So you're not going to get into it. But, uh, yeah, doing, like, energy work, being into alchemy, and then I realized, like, oh, this Taoist alchemy stuff, like, this is, this is kind of, like, where I'm at now. You know, mm-hmm. this is, it's, 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 a, it's a whole different thing, you know. So, so, with the advent of the internet and social media
0: and mm-hmm. just this self-marketing in mm-hmm. hyperspeed that everybody does, like, you know everything about everyone. Um, right. Uh, I kind of, there's a lot of things that I would prefer to keep private. Mm -hmm. Um, that a lot of people openly share and you know being a part of certain magical groups or spiritual groups or energy work groups Mm -hmm. there are there's usually teachings and a lot of times if you're not if you're not a part of that circle Mm -hmm. you know you're not going to hear the teachings. and if you are a part of the circle you're obligated to withhold some stuff so Taking that into consideration, I don't really know if you belong to a practicing group or anything like that, but what can you, you say about Taoist alchemy? Because I, I don't think it's very accessible to Westerners. I don't think right. we, we we understand it.
1: No, yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. And there's not a lot written down about it either. That's the other thing. Well, because that has been translated. It is interesting because what we know... is. It, The most that we know in the West now uh, kind of originally was brought from, like, like Montauk Chia in his work, right? I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. I'm Uh, not. Yeah, he was one of the first people – so he's Chinese-born Thai, right? Um, But he he was one of the first people to, like, bring this stuff out and, like, give it to the West, which is obviously kind of controversial. There's there's a number of – particularly when you get into, like – uh, like like lineages and stuff like that mm. you know like certain forms of like Tibetan Buddhism or whatever it's like you gotta devote yourself to that or you're not gonna learn it they don't just give it to any old person right? you know yeah. uh, and there's a lot of things that you'll, you'll probably never get you know and only recently have I started seeing stuff come out particularly I'm, I'm thinking of um, like the, the Tibetan bone tradition right mm. It's always super secretive for the longest time but now you know certain people are being authorized to like teach some of the I guess you would call it Tantra but it's essentially like energy work
0: mm-hmm. I know
1: that you know when I say Tantra I'm not talking about hippies right. having sex yeah <laughs> no that. I
0: understand just, completely. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so like uh, for example like <laughs> Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche was like one of the first guys to like bring that sort of like we'll call it like chakra work like energy work from like t- the Tibetan bone tradition Super secret before then. I was never taught to anybody outside of Tibet. Even in Tibet, you had to like be part of that group for yeah. years and dedicate yourself to it.
0: There's merit um, to that.
1: Yeah, yeah, there absolutely is. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I guess the world is ready for it or the world needs it or something, whatever forces are at work. It's like, okay, it's time. So uh, that started coming out. So it's kind of the same thing with the Taoist tradition, only the cultures are so different that you can't really compare them. You know, For example, you know, in China had the, the Cultural Revolution yeah right where the whole idea was to stamp out any sort of superstitious like religious spiritual stuff right even that happened to Chinese medicine. We're right? going
0: through that right now, yeah like where, where like children are terrorizing their parents.
1: yeah, a lot of that <laughs> stuff was either like erased from from Chinese culture or the people that kept it left the country yeah. and now it's like in other places like America or Canada, like Germany. A lot of the Hungar people went to Germany actually I say like hmm. some of the best like Hungar schools from like the actual like Chinese lineage holders interesting in Germany oddly enough um, so yeah it either got dispersed or it just got kind of uh, not whitewashed that's not the word but you kind diluted. of diluted diluted yeah, yeah yeah it's like oh now it in even today like if you go to China and start talking about some of the more like in-depth practices like all the like Dallas monks, like yeah, we don't know about. It. We don't do that. It's like we do like the microcosmic orbit and stuff. Right. You, know, you yeah. start talking about yeah, like isolating fire and water and transposing them and like you know fusing them together and you know they're like oh but that's some crazy shit.
0: That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. So you do is that part of your practice? Obviously, the breath is is right. is intimately involved, right? Mm-hmm. In in pretty much every spiritual tradition, there is this, the word for energy or spirit is the same word for breath. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Are there visualizations, uh, you know,
1: postures? Yeah, definitely. Definitely meditations, definitely visualizations. Um, I mean, you're probably familiar with the microcosmic orbit. Yes,
0: correct? it's it's connecting the do and the ren channels. Exactly. The, the yin and the yang. Do you ever study any, any ACU?
1: A, a little bit, yeah. Like I, I did a cursory study of, of every aspect of Chinese medicine from diagnosis to all the different treatments. But uh, I was most interested in herbal medicine. <coughs> that was the thing that I find yeah. the most intriguing. I mean, the the meridians are definitely used in Dallas to alchemy. Although, the you know, we're not like needling things. It's not uh, a medicine. But um, yeah, I, I I didn't study the needling in depth like you would at like an acupuncture school. Mm. Yeah, and all the other ones, uh, you know, the, the cupping. Did you guys yeah. do cupping? Yeah, and, absolutely. And guasha, the scraping. Yep. Yeah. yeah, scarring. Yeah. Really. Uh,
0: but so you were you were getting at something with the microcosmic microcosmic orbit, right?
1: Yeah. So th- you know, take the microcosmic orbit as an example of, uh, of something that you can. Uh, I mean, there are multiple variations, and different ones are going to be used for like different things. You know, at the base level, yeah, you're 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 moving chi, you know, up the spine, down the front, circulating that sort of thing. Uh, but imagine, for let like, I take for example. Imagine the chi concentrated into a sphere, and now spin it up the spine, whew, mm. and spin it down, or do it the other way, running fire down the water channel and water up the fire channel. Now you're creating this like this friction there. You know, it generates more energy doing it yeah. that way. That's, that's when you. That's where you start opening doors to alchemical stuff, right? You know, it's like if you're if you're you know, taking you know water and moving it up because water sinks, right? Mm-hmm. And fire rises. But like now you're doing the opposite. You're like pushing the fire down and bringing the water up, right. and that's going to cause them to right and steam. And... Right. It's it when when
0: fire and water interact, typically in any actual volume, it's it's volatile, um, and energy is right. created. A third element is created: vapor, is. air.
1: Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> And the other interesting thing is you need a third element to make that, that reaction happen. If you just throw water onto a fire, it's going to put the fire out. You know, If you just throw some flaming logs into the ocean, nothing happens, right? Right. Like, if you want to create steam, if you want to, like, cause a phase change to cook something, for example, like, you got to have fire, you got to have water, but you need, like, a vessel, mm-hmm. right? Right. And in, and in Chinese Dallas Alchemy, Earth is that vessel. Because remember, the difference between Western and Dallas Alchemy, one of the major differences is that uh, China has a five element system right it's not earth air fire water ether I guess there's five in, in western there's, as there's well. five
0: in the west but but earth. it is it is different it is
1: very very different yeah because yeah. air is not one of them you know we, we got earth fire water metal, metal wood wood yeah right like what is all that about you know when I first heard about it it's like I don't know that's kind of a cop-out because metal and wood are both earth right but like no the 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 properties are very different. And, yeah. and
0: and my understanding of it, because you work with this constantly in TCM mm-hmm. traditional Chinese medicine diagnosis. This is how right. you 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 come to understand the landscape of, of an individual. Mm-hmm. What's going on in their landscape is right. what, what are the elements doing. And but they they represent, right, it's five phase theory. It's five right, phases right. and the phases are always interrelated. You know, there's the governance cycle, the controlling cycle, right. and and uh, uh, um, uh, the insulting cycle, um, the generating cycle. That's generating, that's what I'm talking right. about. But so
1: it's it's kind of this permutation of phases. The Taoist system is very like earth centric. You know, like in a lot of other what we'll is called them spiritual traditions, if you will, um, they're either about like going somewhere, whether you're going like. Into the astral, or mm. going into like the past, the akashic, or you're like cosmic. You're like going out into the universe, that sort of thing. You know, like mm. the system system's very like earth centered, and it makes sense. You know, like we live on this planet. You know, where our bodies come from. And, you know, this is this is our perspective, right? Right. Um, it's, it's very like experience, like b- like body centered stuff too. Like, there's definitely meditations, but you you're not trying to like quiet the mind or, or go somewhere else you're trying to go inside or go into the earth or, or be with your mind that sort of thing I know that's a little abstract yeah, I mean you're... not
0: really I, I think
1: you know it, I feel real progress
0: when I engage in, in particularly you know the different types of Qigong a lot of people don't understand like I, I had a couple of people um, from you know one of the spiritual groups that, that I'm a part of you know ask about well, how, how do I how do I learn to feel qi? Mm-hmm.
1: It's
0: like well you have to do qigong. I mean that's like the first thing you need right. to do is do that those types of associated meditations mm-hmm. And and you have to to learn a qigong gong form, form you know, and and my, my go-to is um, jamzong. song mm. jam is is my is my go-to uh, because it's standing meditation it's not as involved as, say, like the eight pieces of brocade and 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 harmonizing right. the five elements and things like that they're They're not as physically challenging, so what's happening is I'm spending enough time in these postures, uh-huh. doing the breathing to actually feel some kind of sensation that for me was when I began to feel my energetic body right you know and but the thing is they'll go online they'll they'll they'll, they'll you know uh youtube search. Or Google search Samsung and they'll get everything in the steps one do this two, do this mm-hmm. but you don't get the
1: visualization
0: right And the visualization is the most important that's part. the key exactly yeah.
1: it is yeah and you were talking about you know uh, utilizing elements in your life and that sort of thing you know is a uh, I remember the example I was gonna give it just popped back in my head but because uh, we were talking about earth right and earth you know like it spins around. It creates our day and our night, right? It goes around the sun. It creates our year. Like, Earth is intimately connected to time, our perception of the passage and knowledge of time. And people with a weak Earth element, you'll notice that they have a hard time, like, keeping track of time. They're, if someone's, like like, constantly late, they're always showing up late, I could guarantee you there's, like, a lack in the Earth element. Mm-hmm. That's what you would focus on. It's like, oh, they're having trouble, like connecting with this concept of time, yeah. you know, and that's just from basic knowledge of how our planet works, you know Yeah, so like, yeah, and, and all, all the elements are kind of like that. That's I, very I, interesting. Yeah
0: So what is what is like you do you have a daily practice or is it more like weekly
1: or whenever you feel like it? Well to be honest full disclosure recently I've been, I've been kind of slacking on it, but no, yeah, normally I have a daily practice um, And like once a week, uh, I try to go like real deep, right? So I'll, I'll do some stuff every day kind of like maintenance depending on whatever um whatever i'm trying to accomplish uh, in my life at that time but then like once a week i'll like set aside time you know like an hour or two Mm. to like really go into it
0: yeah Um, what does a, a daily practice typically look like for you just curious
1: yeah so aside from like like sitting or sometimes standing meditation um i've really gotten into it's a it's a basic form uh and it's got a couple different names and it's been taught by a few different people, but um, it's essentially like a, a, a qigong form that incorporates all the directions and all the elements, and it's a perfectly balanced form. So that, uh, you know, you may have heard because you were in Chinese medicine that like you don't do certain qigong like when you're sick, for example, no. or I've heard not to do it like during like thunderstorms and things like that. But if it's a perfectly balanced form like the yin and the yang, are, like The point of the form is harmonizing. You can do it, like, anywhere, anytime. Um, And it's one of those that you can do it, like, real quick, or you can do it super slow, just depending on your time or or how deep you're going. And it's really just the first layer, because once you start adding – once you start – I don't want to get, like, super deep into it. No, this is cool. But, like, once you start moving up the system, Mm -hmm. right – and harmonizing the the elements at like at different levels um the form like completely expands and if then if you are pulling in more cosmic stuff like Mm -hmm. you know because essentially we're talking about harmonizing opposites right i mentioned fire and water but yeah if you start harmonizing like if you imagine like the male aspect of you that's connected to all your male ancestors Mm -hmm. that entire side of your your lineage your genetic lineage and then all of the, your female ancestors and the, the feminine side, same thing with that, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Uh, harmonizing and, and doing the same stuff, reversing, putting the male and the female and the female and the male right. and then, like, merging those. So in Dallas in cosmology, you have the Wu Wei, which is the emptiness, the, right. the nothingness, the great unknowable, right? right. And from that, you, from the nothingness, you get the somethingness, which is called Tai Yi, the great mm. one, so that's like the oneness the unity of all things right mm-hmm. and from that and there and there's still it's 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 neutral there's no yin and yang it's just either nothing or something right, right? and then from that is when you start getting all the other things that, that that trickle down eventually it will separate itself into like yin and yang and then of course from chinese medicine you know you know, you can you essentially have like let's let's put it this way like one thing that's not that common in in modern qigong, in Chinese medicine, is because you know you mentioned that there's yin and yang, right? And there's you know that that harmony, that balance, but you also know because I know that you know this, cause we've talked about this, that there's always always a third element. Right? There's always a third one somewhere, right? So there's the yin and yang, and then there's what's called yin, or mm-hmm. the neutral, mm-hmm. right? And that applies to everything, you know, like Jing, Qi, and Shen. Right, the there's three treasures. Yeah, yeah, so there's like Yang Qi, Yan Qi, and Yuan Qi. So, like, a lot of this, a lot of the alchemical work is working specifically with that neutral force because it's something that we don't have a lot of in this world. We're a very polarized world. We have night and day, male, female, so on and so forth, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, but yeah, but that's, and even a lot of Chinese medicine is still working in the, what they call postnatal. Um, arena or or, or or original or later, tree, yeah. yeah later heaven sort of situation, <coughs> so even a lot of qigong, you know, is working with like yin and yang chi as opposed to working with yuen qi right. and that's one of the key goals um, yeah. in Dallas alchemy is to build a neutral force.
0: And that's and it's the same thing in Western alchemy, right? We're trying mm-hmm. to find the androgen. The, the, right. They call it the al- alchemical marriage, and the product of mm-hmm. which is the rebus. Which is the two-headed, masculine and feminine yeah. brought together in one body. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's yeah, the same yeah, yeah. thing, you know. It's just different. <sighs> I find it really interesting, actually, that there's there's a, a, an historical Taoist the on like on the historical record in China they have Taoist treatises from like the first and second centuries BCE. Mm. Okay, so we don't really have that here, you know, at least on the historical record. And I remember reading, I forget who it was, which is bad because I should have done my homework and wrote his name down. But the oldest extant treatise on alchemy in China was written so, um, it's called like Popeye or something like that. Yeah. But the oldest extant... uh, or historical record of of an alchemical treatise in China is so obscure that they can't even refer to it for anything. Right. So they have to go to like the second oldest, (laughs) which is not as obscure. So even back then, alchemical treatises were being written that don't make sense to anybody. So they even have that in common, East and West.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: So have you, here's a big question.
1: Mm.
0: Have you experimented with magic? Are you willing to... Talk about.
1: uh experimented yes i would i would say that
0: yes you have uh,
1: yeah I've, I've spent time
0: I used to ask people well, how would you define magic but yeah. it, it, definitions are are shoddy mm. they're difficult you know they don't really express what i'm what I was trying to get at I'd leave n- not having my question answered so I found that a better question is how do you or did you experience that magic
1: you know it's interesting I didn't think about this until now when you asked that question but um Obviously, I appreciate and enjoy ritual and ceremony, being a Freemason, Mm -hmm. I enjoy that. Um, I've found that a lot of the things that either I was looking for or attempting to accomplish through the use of magic, um, I I feel more successful and more well-rounded and grounded doing that without magic, Mm -hmm. but still appreciating the ritual and the ceremony. So I don't really, you know, do magic ritual or, or, or magical ceremony anymore, even though I do what I would consider magic, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. But then on the other hand, I'm still doing ritual and ceremony, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> and of course, you know, we have our own, like, um, own ceremonies in Taoist traditions and stuff, too. Um, it's, a, it's a little different. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that fully answered your I question. Mean, but like I almost, would, I would totally... Totally uh, consider
0: everything that we talked about in terms of the visualization and the energy working. I mean, that is magic, you know, because you're moving. So you're working on the what we would call in the Western tradition. You're working with the etheric. Right. That's the chi. That's Mm -hmm. your personal chi. Yeah. And and there's cosmic chi also. Mm -hmm. That's you know that's etheric energy that's out there in the world. And how are you moving that? you're moving that with a series of images. Right, intention, images. And that's working on the astral. Mm-hmm. So you're doing magic, right. you know, it's just personal. It's a, it's a, it's a solo yeah. practice, you know. So because, I mean, we're given a lot of this stuff in other magical traditions, like the, the, the exercise of the middle pillar or the exercise of the three pillars. We're using a Kabbalistic framework, right? Our, our astral kind of scaffolding, if you want to call it mm-hmm. that, is, is we're imaging the, the Kabbalistic tree of life in our aura or sphere of mm-hmm. sensation and using that to guide the energy and awaken certain things. But, I mean, that's really what magic is. It doesn't matter if you're right. – I personally don't think you need to do it with other people. And I, I, I do think magic is it's, – it's not necessarily consubstantial with ritual. Um, I think mm-hmm. even even when you sit down to do your practice, there are probably although when you sit down to to engage in your practice, there are probably elements that you do the same every time. Mm. Whether that's you know just opening up with something as simple as like you know the fourfold breath, right? So that that in and of itself creates a, a tiny personal ritual.
1: Yeah, and I, I might I don't know might go so far as to say the 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 goal is different. I'm not sure. You know, it depends on what your goal is. You know, mm-hmm. I think, like, ultimately, I think one of the, the, the largest goal at least in, in, in Taoist alchemy, is to not only harmonize, like, you know, the opposing forces in yourself, and when I say yourself, I mean every aspect of yourself energy, body, uh, spirit, mind, body, all that stuff, as well as physical body. Um, but really, if I had to, like, break it down and give, like, a definition or an explanation of, like, what the goal is, it's essentially to build a neutral force in your system so that uh, you can get closer to source. You know, mm-hmm. you're, the whole thing is to return to source, right? The, the the creation that we all came from. Whatever that is, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're using these practices to pretty much speed up your spiritual evolution so that you get closer to source energy.
0: Yeah, I would say that that's completely... Um, consonant with with most forms of Western magic. The problem is that most people. I mean, this is a generalization, but in my experience, mm-hmm. most people that join things like the Golden Dawn, they never stay in it long enough to to see that this is ultimately what it is. Right. You know, not many people. You don't even have to make it to like the inner order of the Golden Dawn mm-hmm. to to realize that this is what we're doing. It's just that so many people. There is, there's this kind of aesthetic,
1: that is this whirlpool that like pulls people in for um, aesthetic reasons. <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of people, maybe in the Western tradition too, and I guess I was kind of guilty of this, like the concept of magic as we know it you know Chinese don't really have that same concept mm-hmm. right and I think yeah I think it appeals to people The the imagery it's like oh I'm gonna learn to like because you know the the like you're saying the ultimate goal in in Western tradition including alchemy is the same as the ultimate goal in, in Taoist tradition in alchemy is yeah to to speed up your spiritual evolution to get closer to, to source closer to God right yeah. um, which doesn't really sound appealing to a lot of people and when you know because if the goal of magic was to find love or to like get rich or to like gain power like that's a definite goal like people right. want like money and power and and, right. and, and love, right? yeah, but like not the average person wants to get close to god, yeah i mean maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it, it seems like like that's just not as sexy as like you know you know driving Lambos with like yeah. a, a bunch of women and like you know power yeah you know?
0: well it it that goes back to something I learned in Chinese medicine school. Um, when a patient comes in, and this this isn't this wasn't part of like your protocol. Like if I right, wrote this right. down on a test, they'd be like, "What is this?" <laughs> but uh, but something that I heard that really really resonated with me, particularly because I had just started attempting to get sober mm-hmm. at that time, right? Was uh, one of the most important things when a when a patient or client comes in
1: mm-hmm.
0: before you do any diagnostic examination for, mm-hmm. the first thing you have to ask them is are you willing are you willing to abandon the things that are making you sick um, yeah. are we gonna waste our time here or that's a legit <laughs> and, question, and that's yeah. that's the whole thing every like you were saying you went to China not to learn but to adventure yeah and everybody's in that adventure well not everybody but so many people particularly that I have seen that are drawn to magic are in an adventure phase. Right, They're not because right. you got to let go of a lot of stuff. You have to lay a significant portion of your life on the altar of sacrifice if you're trying to get closer to source. Right. Who wants to do that? You know. I mean, you eventually you'll have to. But
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I like the way. I think it was Joe Rogan. That's it this way it was like you know a lot of people are just kind of dabbling in the idea of like improving themselves Mm. nobody really uh, the average person doesn't really want to put in the work to do it you know they're they're playing around with it oh I can like improve my life you know like let's dabble in it and see but when it comes down to actually doing real stuff I mean I guess you see that in everything in masonry I see it in the junior deacons chair that's Mm. when you're no longer dabbling you know you're like you're in it and it scares a lot of people off you know they're like okay it's like I didn't know it was gonna be like this.
0: Junior Deacon, really?
1: Yeah, yeah. I love that character. Yeah (laughs) at least in this lodge, you know, I've noticed that like yeah, the junior deacon, whoever sits there realizes it like, oh, like I gotta do all this stuff. And like next year I'll be senior deacon, which puts me like just one year away from being one of the three elected officers. Mm -hmm. You start seeing the East, you're like, Oh shit, like this is real. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people (laughs) for various reasons, you know, maybe they you know, have a lot going on in their life having a third kid, right, changing right. jobs, moving away, whatever it is, you know, um, realize that that commitment isn't there. But yeah, like you said, it's a it's a sacrifice. But yeah. that's the point of a sacrifice is you're getting something better in the long run. Yeah. Well, people
0: are so used to just being able to go on Amazon and buying what they want. Yeah. You know, but even then, right, there's an exchange. I have to give something up to get it, right? I have to give money, right. which for most people is a form of energy, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I had to work... Right. to get the money you have to give that over to get something so there, the, everything you do in the material realm and, and beyond really has to be transactional are you willing you want this right. can you afford it are you willing to pay the price <laughs> you know and and that's the thing I mean spirituality at its highest levels and I consider magic mm-hmm. very very spiritual I don't use yeah. magic for material means right you know it's magic I use it st- exclusively for towards spiritual aims exclusively you know I'm not I don't mean to disparage people who are experimenting with it and seeing how it manifests in their lives and so therefore right. are experimenting
1: well, I was just uh, watching something the other day about about that whole concept it was like because so, you know the the it's funny you figured there would be a definitive answer to this but like is it possible to transmute one metal into another right? Some people will say yes. Some people will say no. It's like, how come we can't agree on this, this thing, right? And you know, there's there's the people that are like, oh well, if you have like, you know, outside of like a particle accelerator, right. right? You can't really like transmute one matter into another. But then there's like other instances of like, yeah, like you can totally do that. And then producing gold, it's like, you can do it, but the the cost of all the products that you need to make it happen, plus the cost of all the material and all of the equipment. And plus the yield you're going to get, I mean, talk about spending like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to produce like a tiny little droplet of gold. You're like, oh, well, you can do it, but like, what's, I mean, it, yeah. it defeats the point. And now if you're, if you're an alchemist, the, the point is the operation. Right. It doesn't matter how much it costs or what kind of equipment you need. The point is to go through that operation. So I guess in that situation, yeah, making gold or, or making whatever is is worth it. It's worth it if your goal is to get closer to source. Right. It's not worth it if your goal is to like give material gains. Buy stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how long have you been in Mason?
1: Yeah, uh, I think almost nine
0: years. Almost nine years. Yeah. And you've, you've sat in the East. Mm-hmm. Did you do two years in the East?
1: Yeah, because my first year was COVID year. Yeah. And we were shut down for a while and didn't get to do a lot of stuff. So Yeah. the lodge just kept the officers where they were.
0: Yeah, so and you your your primary focus in Masonry has been Blue Lodge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know that you that you've wanted to yeah. focus here. Is there anything you, you are you are one of the most <coughs> you are one of the most skilled people in terms mm. of the, the memorization of this stuff and you're you're even almost like a monitor when when um, you know someone's giving a charge or giving a lecture. You're you're always kind. Of, you're always following along from the secretary. Mm. Never mind being secretary now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You not know how that happened. But um, no secretary does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, being as well versed and immersed in all the verbiage of mm. masonry as you are, do you draw any parallels between masonry and what you study in in Taoism and, and alchemy?
1: Yeah, that's a good question too, because I've obviously been looking at that, you know, and freemasonry coming primarily from a a western tradition i was curious how much crossover there is and i guess i would the answer to that is i would say just like just how we mentioned that the ultimate goal of western alchemy and and western magic is the same so i guess i would i would see that parallel but uh yeah you know i haven't just because the systems are so different that it's hard to see certain parallels in them Mm -hmm. you know um, plus masonry is weird it's got the whole like Hiramic legend and you know there's a lot going on with that yeah. and like and that's unique to Freemasonry yeah you know
0: yeah and, but they're, they're, one of the first things that struck me when I was going through the different catechisms particularly because mm-hmm. that's when you're putting it all together you know as, yeah. as somebody who just yeah. went through all this stuff for instance you're you're reciting your obligation but you're just trying to hang on you're not really absorbing. Right. You don't have time in the middle of the actual ritual to, to think about these things. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the catechism, you're going over and over and over and you're thinking about, what am I saying here? And uh, there is something, I'm not going to be explicit about it, but right. there is something distinctly elemental. Yes. You know, there is definitely yeah. something elemental. And I think you, were, you had pointed out this whole, you know, um, in the Western alchemical tradition, I believe it would be called the Balneum Marii. And that's the, mm. the the bath by water yeah. by by the sea, yeah. You know, yeah. um, and and there's some of that too in 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 uh, in some of the Masonic verbiage. That really kind of perked my ear up. Like, okay, I should be looking for alchemical stuff
1: here, <laughs> right? Yeah, some of it's like very in your face. You're like, oh, okay. And uh, again, as you mentioned, I'm pr- strictly blue lodge. Not that I have anything against dependent bodies. Yeah, I'll probably join us in some point in the future, but. I've heard that um, York Rite has a lot of that stuff. It's mm. like, you'll look at, like, someone like yourself who's well-versed in, like, the Western esoteric tradition and be like, oh, I recognize that, like, right away. Mm. Yeah. There's no beating around the bush.
0: Yeah. I thought I think, and I'm not going to talk about it, but I will say that in the third degree, there is a, I mean, it, immediate. Oh, this is the Zodiac. Yeah. This is the Zodiac. <laughs> right. And it's... it's it's talking about the Zodiac in the context of its elemental triplicities.
1: Or like, you know, very basic. So once you become a Freemason and you look at, like, say, the, the High Priestess card, in the Tarot, you're like, oh, that's like straight Masonic. Right. Like, 100%. Yeah. You know, there's, they're not even trying to hide anything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that card really was designed by a Freemason, right? Yeah. Arthur Edward Waite. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, drawn by Pamela Coleman-Smith, right. but... Waite was the one who conceptualized the basic design for all that stuff. I mean, mm. her art really is what put it over the top. Yeah. The color palette she used mm. and, and everything. But but Waite kind of was was the brains the behind, mind behind yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of all the questions I have for you. Is there anything else that you wanted to like touch on or talk about concerning uh Freemasonry and you know your your journey there and and uh and how that kind of
1: interacts with what you do on the side. Well it is interesting because I've I've noticed that a lot of people um take st- like Brian for example, you know, someone who started out in a very like eastern f- philosophy whether it's like um uh Theravada, like Buddhism, Buddhism, Vajrayana, Actually, it was Vajrayana, they was into for years. Mm-hmm. um uh, like uh, Krishna consciousness and like uh, Vaishnavism, that sort of stuff and then full into like the Western and that was like kind of the opposite you know, like I was into the whole like I, I mean, I, I guess you can't say Egyptian is Western, but yeah whether it, it's that or more like Western pagan style stuff, you know like like I don't really know how or when I started getting into like Eastern philosophy because I wasn't early but uh, it's just interesting to see how I've come that full circle you know in Freemasonry mm-hmm. you know and I, I guess I got into masonry at a time that I needed it but I was also you know having studied that sort of stuff before I was I got into masonry for the esoteric
0: mm-hmm.
1: aspect and I think we've had this conversation too it's interesting almost everyone I know that's gotten into masonry for the esoteric find that the camaraderie is something that like oh yeah it's like oh like I, this I, I, I didn't do masonry to like be in a boys club at all. But like I get a lot out of hanging out with people, like we're doing now. Yeah, you know,
0: absolutely. It's something that's sorely missing in 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 the communities that I've been a part of in my lifetime. You know, unless you're unless you're like trauma bonded with somebody, like on a bomb squad right. or something yeah. like that, or yeah. or in the military, or or let's say if you play on a sports team. I mean, how do men really bond? We don't. You know, that yeah. that's been the whole the whole part of the whole the whole game for for so long in mm. society was take men and send them out there to compete for resources <laughs> and so it's like we're constantly butting heads with each yeah. other nobody really sees that because there there you know there are there are sort of rules to this game and and how you interact with people but it, it becomes tiresome it becomes tiresome i think to to constantly be comparing myself to another man mm-hmm. and, and basing like my my sense of self worth, in in that almost that adversarial way, We're, and you come together. Masonry gives you an excuse to come together, really, and um. And and really really bond, you know. I mean, right. we call each other brother, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I you got to remember the, the details that um that Joe was talking about? Cause you weren't at the meeting. Um, Which one? The one that we uh, just had.
0: No, I didn't yeah. go. Yeah.
1: And he was talking about that. You know, one of the questions that was come up was like, "Why no women in Freemasonry?" And of course, there's a, a bunch of answers about that. That's another topic that we could talk about yeah, later, yeah. you know. But uh, he had a really good explanation. But at its core, he's like, "Well, essentially, it's because women don't need this. You know, they 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 have their own thing that they're doing. You know, the, what we do in Masonry as men is not really something that would be appealing to women or even like really benefit them. So it's, no, it's not like that they're not allowed. It's just like even if they were in, they'd be like, oh, "Okay, you guys are doing this. Like, I don't really need this." Yeah, you
0: know. You know, everybody's always got that one thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're a Mason. Now that's cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Have fun running the world. You're right. <laughs> Who killed JFK? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And by the way, you know, have fun being a Mason. And by the way, how come women can't get involved? Yeah. And my experience, in just in general in life, has been this: <clears throat> men can learn a tremendous amount from women but there are some things you can only learn from a member of the same gender. There are some right. things you will only be able to learn from a man, and there are some things that women will only be able to learn from women. So there are some contexts, there are some lessons in this life that you can only learn from a person of your gender, and, and, and it also affirms what you're going through when you talk to somebody who's having the same experience or when you talk to an elder and they give mm-hmm. you their take on, you know, how I manage this. and
1: Yeah, and, you know, since the topic is alchemy, I mean, I would apply that directly to this, what we're talking about, relationship. You know, it's like, yeah, it, one of the processes in, in alchemy. So, for example, you know, you're, you're trying to extract the essence of something and, like, purify it, right? Mm-hmm. So take, like, spagyric alchemy, you know, yeah. when you're, like calcinate plant material you burn it into ash right Right. and all that's left is ash and then you dissolve that ash typically in water or something like that right filter that out and then evaporate all the water and you get that salt that's left right you're essentially like extracting the the physical essence of a plant and then purifying it and that's what masonry is attempting to do is to, to extract the essence of who we are get rid of all our vices and superfluities right pull out that essence and then purify that so if a man is doing that in masonry, which you could use masonry, you could use alchemy, you could use uh, the teachings of the Golden Dawn, you know, Dallas traditions, whatever, and his partner as a female is doing that, then you merge them back together to create something greater than the sum of its parts, it's quintessence. right? Quintessence. Right, so, I mean, I think that's one of the arguments for that. You know, you need to isolate these things so that you can extract and purify them, and then recombine them. That's like you know the, the the great work at least on, on that scale.
0: You Have you know? thought of that before, or did you just think of that now?
1: I've thought about that before.
0: That is one of yeah. the most incredible um, parallels mm. between alchemy and masonry. I'd never even crossed my mind. Yeah. Yeah. The extraction of of that of the salt. Right. You know.
1: Yeah, because we're. Uh, I mean, that's what we're doing. You know, being a, a fraternal society, we're just men. Right, and women have their thing, you right. know, whatever that is. But it, and as far as I know, and I'm probably wrong, but you know, masonry is maybe not the only, but definitely one of the only oldest um, fraternal traditions that focuses specifically on the improvement of the self and the mind, philosophy and spirituality and that sort of thing. A lot of other things probably came out of Freemasonry or Freemasonry influenced a lot of other things, such as the Hermetic Order, the Golden Dawn, and other stuff. Oh yeah. And all of those are, as far as I understand, um, co-ed, if that's what I'm looking for. Like both men and women can be members of, of Ros- that could be Rosicrucians, men and women could be members of the Golden Dawn, whereas Freemasonry, you're doing that thing where you're separating to purify that essence right. and, and with the intention of recombining it.
0: And I avoided masonry for the longest time because it seemed imbalanced. Me I too. A, I like the Golden Dawn because yeah. it's got men and women. And then I come to masonry and like...
1: Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, imagine if you, you and your partner are on the same spiritual journey and you both join the same organization and you do that journey together, that's a completely different thing than doing your journey separately and then coming back together, Yeah, you know? And if you're doing that work, if you're taking that work seriously, you're, you're stirring things up, you're shifting things in your, your being, you know? And, yeah. um, and I mean, I, I've seen it happen in, in Dallas Alchemy too. I mean, I've heard of a lot of people, that, that same thing happens, they'll, like, start this practice and start, you know, doing this stuff for real, and things start changing, and all of a sudden, you know, their partner's like, you know, you're changing, you're a different person, and it's like, yeah, like, that's yeah. the point, you know, like, that's why I'm doing it, and, like, it doesn't always work, you know, but then again, I've seen the opposite happen, too, where, like, two people meet and and, and bond over that, and it's like, oh, I think we're, like, on the same path, like, right. we're a good complement to each other, and relationships form that way, so... Yeah.
0: It's difficult when you you're doing a self-centered work mm. with a partner. You're supposed to be a team and and you're going through this intense period, this prolonged period, typically 3 to 4 years in the outer mm. order, and that's going fast. Yeah. 3 or 4 years in the outer order focused on yourself. You know, you can become disconnected from the mm. other person. But, you know, if if that if that path is what brought them together in the first place, I think a lot of times They'll, you know, you have to learn to ha- to have this mutual support with each other, or,
1: or two people that are in the process of changing, knowing that like this is what we're doing—we're yeah. improving ourselves, and, and we're we're going to change, and still the same person, so to speak. You know, you're not all of a sudden decided to like I don't know, become a pirate. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like you're still you, yeah. but you're you know you're a more developed, <laughs> more refined version of you. Hopefully. Ultimately, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully.
0: <laughs> Again, look at Crawley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. True. So, uh, last question for you, and this yeah. is the one that I give, I've given so far everybody a heads up on. Mm-hmm. Three books, films, movies, influential people related to our topic tonight or, or, or the broader topic that you think other people would benefit by checking out
1: yeah and I didn't really do my homework on that. Um, <laughs> well, that's fine improvising <laughs> yeah. um, the, the kind of like I mentioned before the the, the Dallas alchemy, like as I practice it is in its most refined form in the West was originally brought over here by Montachia's work. so I would definitely look at that. Uh, I consider Michael Wynn in uh, Healing Tao, USA to be like probably the pinnacle the, the cutting edge of that sort of like spiritual uh, alchemical uh, science. We talked, science Michael, we talked about Michael. We
0: talked about Michael. Yeah. I don't man. think if we, 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 I don't think we touched on Healing
1: Dao. Yeah, that's the organization, right? Okay. So yeah, Healing Dao was originally created by Montauk Chia, and Michael. Like actually wrote the books, okay. many of the the books for Montauk, because uh, Montauk had the knowledge, but his English wasn't very good, right? Got it. Um, but he went so far in, in in what he knew, and then Michael like took it further. And created, you know, all the, the, the stuff that's going on with that. So if you're interested in Dallas Alchemy, I would say look at Michael Wynn's work. You know, he's he, again on the cutting edge of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely got the most refined view of it and in, in actual practices. Because yeah, I'm, I'm at a time, and I feel like you're in the same places where like I've done enough reading, I've done enough like study. Like I I want to like practice. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, that's that's
0: been a benefit of being in involved with something like the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. I've been forced to practice. But right. I will say this. Recently I'm talking about like the last three months. Mm-hmm. I've um, there's a lot more for me to learn about the system, right? I'm only right. a Zolata Adeptus minor. I'm about mm-hmm. halfway through three quarters of the way through that curriculum. But something in me wants to to like you were saying earlier, kind of use my intuition combined with what I know to do something that is personally feels a little bit more right. I'm starting to feel uh, like that, that's where I'm being called. I had a really mm. good friend that um, was an adept in, in the New York temple with me, and she said something which is only now really striking me. Mm. As Golden Dawn magicians, we're, like we're like highly, highly classically trained musicians. But right. some people out there are playing jazz, and I'm not saying that I want to go off the rails. I, I that's how I started out. I, yeah. I know it can be dangerous, but now right. I, I have these kind of like a very, very, a very structured way to approach scrying, astral travel, ritual, right. or, you know, entity contact. I have
1: a very, very safe way of doing that now. But that's what makes. You, it's, that's what defines an alchemist is their willingness to experiment. You know, you you learn the way, you learn the method, so you know what you're doing. Practical al- alchemy, so you don't blow yourself up, right, yeah. right? But then you experiment. You know, it's like like I was mentioning with the microcosmic orbit, like oh, like I mean, that's how all the new ones were developed, and that's how you realize, oh, this is like super powerful. You're like tapping into something that I wasn't before. Instead of just like circulating it up up and down the the and DO channels, it's like oh. Well, what if I take that, like, pearl and split it and send one up the front and one up the back and mm. merge at the top and go straight down this core channel and then split and do that. Mm. It's like, that sounds crazy. It turns out super powerful. What about the side channels? Focus, focus on spinning them. You know, focus mm. on different qualities, colors or elemental qualities. Like, So, I mean, I would encourage you to, well, I would encourage you not to go off the rails, but I would yeah. definitely encourage you to experiment and, and, and do new things with what you already know. Well, that's that's yeah.
0: why this was so important to me because I my my trajectory in terms of... So I, I researched and learned about lots of Eastern philosophies early on, but not in a practical way, not in right. an esoteric way. I learned golden... I got initiated into the Golden Dawn magic mm-hmm. in one weekend. The next weekend, I had my first Reiki attunement. Mm-hmm. And then a month later, I started... Um, Training in in body work Asian body work Mm -hmm. and uh, you know I did massage and then I went into the ACU program so all of this stuff started happening pretty much in tandem Mm -hmm. and um, it it just seems so obvious to me that uh, what we're doing in magic is the same we're using the same kind of forces that are present in in the eastern energy work and they're two sides of the same coin but if you don't look if you don't understand the other side you don't have the whole coin and I think that's what the western tradition is missing it's missing this conception of energy work there's this Taoist alchemist um, alchemical uh, practice called uh, the casting of fu essentially you create these um, some of them will use the the trigrams or the hexagrams from uh, the from the the yijing uh, but Typically, or, or at least 50-50, they they're kind of these channeled sigils that somewhat resemble mm. uh, the the Chinese um, figure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, related to it, but they somewhat resemble the, the typical Chinese pictograms mm-hmm. that would be that would be understood by most most you know people native to that language, mm. but they're slightly different. They're altered, and it, it comes from this intuited. Or channeled sense of what this sigil needs to be for them, right. and they take that, and they typically there's a ritual mm-hmm. similar to Golden Dawn ritual. They invoke the four quarters, same way the Golden Dawn it, yeah. you know invokes the the, the four archangels mm-hmm. which, attributed to the four winds. Right. You know, it's not an elemental ritual. You're you're calling the directions. You yeah. know, it's 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 a directional ritual. The lesser ritual and greater rituals of the pentagram. They do the same thing to open up a space so that they can charge this fu, right? This sigil that they've drawn typically on par- on virgin parchment, And they've kind of intuited this sigil. It's not really based on something. Only they know what it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you move the chi through your hands
1: mm-hmm.
0: into the sigil. And it's consecrated in that fashion. And it's the yeah. same thing in the Golden Dawn. We project the energy by a movement of the right. hands, you know, and a visualization. So it's, you know, that's some Dallas magic. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of a
1: practice where you're essentially uh, – it's the cube, right? So, mm-hmm. like, if you're in the center, you have your four directions and you're, you're doing a bunch of stuff, one of which is projecting, like, spinning baguas and stuff. Uh, but there's also the above and the below with you in the center. Mm-hmm. You're creating this, like, cube, which you can manipulate to expand to, you know, the size of the planet or just, like, the room or whatever. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that. And I was thinking, too uh, – 'Cause you say you're talking about like intuiting or whatever it is. I had mentioned, I had failed to mention earlier, I forgot your question, but I started talking about like uh, Tibetan Bon and how, you know, it's just now starting to come out and how it's hard to find stuff on Dallas Alchemy, there's not a lot of books written on it. The interesting thing about what Montauk and like Michael are doing is they're essentially like giving away all the secrets. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it self regulates right because Mm -hmm. the people that are not ready for it won't go to it and the people that do go to it and it's like too much they'll either drop it or move elsewhere you don't really find people showing up that like would abuse that sort of thing you know like i said it lays it out right there if you're looking to like get rich and powerful and a bunch of women like that's it's not going to give it to you that's not if you're looking to like again build that that neutral force to speed up your spiritual evolution to get closer to source if that's what you're looking for then it's going to be your thing yeah.
0: you know that's and that's exactly what what the golden dawn system is supposed to be doing right you're supposed to be there are several rituals in the golden dawn they're out there right they're in the black brick right i'm not necessarily giving away any secrets but there are several rituals where mm-hmm. you attempt to go to the left and to the right i can think of two right <laughs> off the top of my head the zlodar ritual mm. and the the portal ritual you attempt to go to the left no can't can't go this way. Go back. Send him <laughs> yeah. the other way. Goes to the right. No, can't go this way. Go back. You're constantly being reverted yeah. up the middle pillar, which is the way of mildness, the way of of neutrality. Right. You know, it's yeah. it's 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 this it's the same thing. Blows my mind. And even when you're talking about the cube, there's a teaching in the Golden Dawn called the cube of space. It's the same thing you're right. talking yeah. about.
1: Well, and even in masonry again, I don't think I'm giving anything away too much, but like and most of the rituals and it comes up in the first degree like a lot it's like you keep trying to get to the east and you keep getting stopped and turn around like go back and do this and it's like okay i did that it's like oh no okay well now you got to go back and do this but each time you get closer and closer until finally you get there and you're taught your lesson given the working tools that sort of thing that's interesting yeah you you keep you keep trying to get there and keep sending you back. <laughs>
0: you know, I hadn't realized that that you you do eventually get there and you get your working tools. Mhm. You know.
1: But there's also that moment, you know, cuz that's first thing I thought um y'all know if I'm giving away too much here. But uh there there there's a point where you come back and you're you're put in the the, the northeast corner mm-hmm. where you're you're in between two things. You have a choice. You can go this way or this way. You know, go to the light in the east or you know, the, the dark the darkness back to the north. That's why you're in the northeast. Because now you have a choice. You know, you're you've made it to that section, that part, and now you're like now what's you're what are you gonna do? Where are you gonna go? You know? You're in that liminal space, that, that neutral space almost between the two. But it's still your free will. And at that
0: point you're you're told like you're a Mason now. Act like one. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna
1: give you some advice. Don't go that way. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. So you gave me two. Yeah, I mean, I and I know I already mentioned it before, but if anybody's like completely new to like the whole thing, I would I would recommend checking out um, the Ancient Secret of the Flower of Life. It's really? one of the, it's one of those things that just is like you may have heard a little of this, a little of that, a little of this, a little of that, but that like coalesces it all into like one thing—it's like, oh, see all this stuff. See how they're connected. Like, this is this is the thing that we're working with now. You know, this now that you know all this, choose your path. Like, I wouldn't say that that is a path in and of itself, but it—I it, mean, it can be for sure. Um But it, at least for me, it was like it, it brought it all together, and was like, this is the reality that we're working with. You know, this is the shit that's going on. This is, you know, whether it's like. The ancient past, or like you know, our, our connection to spirit, or like where we're going in the future, having all that knowledge and be like, oh, okay, from this, I can now start to like choose whatever whatever spiritual path I'm on.
0: That's interesting. For some reason, right? As I said, I was I had I was aware of it. I've mm-hmm. seen it, and every time you go into the you know the, I guess what, it used to be the metaphysics, then it was the occult, and now right. and now finally Barnes and Noble has labeled it, it uh, the self improvement. Yeah. <laughs> But it was always there, and for some reason, I always conflated it. I grouped it in with like the David Icke stuff, which uh, I you know right, right. I, I'm not really into it. I'm not saying I think yeah anything. I, I don't think ill or 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 good of him be just because. I'm completely unfamiliar with his stuff, other than he talks a lot about aliens, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of cool. But you know, I'm not—I'm not sure I'm ready to go there just yet. But I kind of i, I, I conflated the
1: two together. Is so—is that a false conception that I had? I mean, I think in in the realm that you're talking about, like ancient Earth history, because that's when you start getting super woo woo, and you're like, oh, what? Because it's funny, I've noticed, and and I use that term woo woo lovingly, right? Yeah. I could—I definitely consider us woo woo in that community, in the woo community, there's like different levels of woo, <laughs> Oh <yeah. laughs> you know, it's like, I'm cool with this, I'm cool with that, you know, like, for example, like, I'm, I'm cool with like, the idea of ghosts, right, and I'm cool with the idea of extraterrestrials, even cool with the idea of Bigfoot, but Atlantis, <laughs> and that that book will, will do that to you, it'll be like, it'll take you, it's like, oh, that makes sense, like, mm-hmm. oh, that's what that means, I see the connection that's crazy i don't know if i believe that at all you know right. and, it, and, it, and it gives you so in that respect i guess it's somewhere he doesn't talk about aliens all the time it's not like david ike mm-hmm. but uh yeah it, it's definitely especially and i keep bringing up the whole like earth history thing yeah. you know it's like the idea that there's there's more in the past of, of, of human evolution than just like okay. caveman evolved into like romans and now it's us and somewhere fred flintstone is <laughs> <he's laughs> yeah. just tossed in the mix <laughs> yeah so yeah it, it, it pushes your boundaries of like what what you believe or, or but there's like a lot of truth and stuff in it as well and and it gives you the, you know you do get that the, the practice. I mean I, I would say dude, that's probably the most important thing. Oh, yeah. the other thing I was yeah, I forgot there's a, there's a Chinese saying that uh, talking doesn't cook the rice right <laughs> like there, there's an important time to like talk about stuff, important time to read about stuff but eventually, you got to do it, you know? Like, I love you know, that. Yeah, man. talking doesn't cook the rice. So you got to.
0: That's one of the reasons why I, I, I mean, for like five years, I wanted to do some kind of YouTube channel or podcast. Not because I, I want to focus on myself, but mm. because I really feel like I've, and maybe this is the same with everybody else who's ever spoken mm. out, but I feel like I've gotten in contact with, with a way through the woo. Right. It's right, like that right. Ariadnean thread that gets you out of the labyrinth. Mm. Because you can you can get lost in Wonderland here. You definitely can you yeah. really can. And and I did for a long time. And mm. this particular system and the way that I've come to understand it has provided me with a conceptualization that um makes it clear to me. Everything makes sense. Life makes more sense, you know, and and maybe that's kind of like this psychological projection of me kind of wanting to Uh, validate my own viewpoint, but I am a firm believer that, again, another great lesson I had from from one of my favorite teachers in the ACCU program was, her name was Lizelle. She said, when you inevitably graduate and you go off and you open your own practice, don't worry. It doesn't matter if you open up a practice and somebody opens up down the street from you. Don't worry about that because... The patients who need your style mm-hmm. of treatment, your style of understanding this, they're gonna come to you. And you're gonna be the only person that can help them in that way. And I feel the same way about my what I'm doing here, you know, still mm-hmm. kind of on the fence about doing. But I've seen just in teaching, you know, there's a lot of people who really don't jibe with me. They don't like right. my style. But there's <laughs> a few people Really, really do, and it helps them, and so that's you know that's kind of what I'm what I'm hoping to do with this. But mm-hmm. I'm, the main thing that pushed me into it recently is that I have seen an overwhelming presence of strictly academic mm. conversations regarding the occult. Nobody wants to commit. Right. Nobody right. wants to show their cards and say, you know, I believe it. Believe is a four letter word. <laughs> you know, in, in our right, modern society. Right. So they'll talk about it without saying anything. This is really, really interesting. We love talking about it. I don't believe in a jot of it. And so there's, I know for a fact, there's people out there who want to learn this stuff from a practitioner's point of view. You know, and so that's right. why, that's why yeah. I'm kind of like having these conversations. And, you know, I've done a, a couple of YouTube videos that I haven't posted or anything yet <laughs> to try and explain theoretical ideas. You know, I'm not trying to become a yeah. guru. Nothing I have to say is original to me.
1: Right. You right. know. And one thing that really brought that out, and I'm going to get a little political here, so forewarning, I saw people that, you know, believed in, in alternative medicine, lived a lifestyle of eating healthy and, and herbal medicines, like, against big pharma and the government because they're obviously corrupt, and all of a sudden, like, overnight, they're like, oh, like, we got to take this drug, you yeah, know, like... No. It's like, so I guess you never believed the stuff to begin with. Yeah. You know, like you, it was either cool for you or it was like a part of a, uh, like an image or a personality trait. But like when the rubber hits the road, like actually, like I, like I'm, I'm scared I'm enough. scared. I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take this, take this thing. Yeah. You know, even though like I've been saying that like these people and this stuff is bad and, and I believe this. Whenever the truth comes out and people have to deal with stuff. You know, you say, "Oh, like I don't think they ever, they don't want to practice it. They they like the reading." You know,
0: yeah, it's a lifestyle accessory. Yeah, you know, it's it's an aesthetic.
1: And look, I mean, some
0: some of our worst traits can bring us to the best things we ever do with our lives. So there's there's definitely there's definitely something to be said. Because at one point, I was an aesthetic occultist. Yeah, Yeah. and now
1: I'm like, you know, I'm like, it's like boot camp over by me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny the people that I notice that are like the deepest into it and and the most like well versed and experienced and and live that as their life look like you and I, right? Yeah, they they don't look like the crystal hippie you see like walking down the street. Yeah, Yeah. and whatever that means, I'm not saying that crystal hippies can't you know you know be be deep into their practice. But yeah, the the people that I know and you're one of them that have spent a long time going real deep and it's a part of their life and they're making progress like it's not their aesthetic
0: right okay? yeah
1: i mean you could be walking around and, like, <laughs> in like and... i mean
0: well i remember i got all these tattoos you know mm-hmm. that was like a thing for me for a while playing in music yeah. and i got all these esoteric tattoos the ouroboros you know the tetracties i mean they are cool <laughs> yeah they're cool but you know cool and 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 two dollars and 75 cents gets me on the subway <laughs> I'm through being cool, thank God. Yeah, yeah. i don't I don't think I ever was cool. But, <laughs> right. but I was trying and 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 the thing is, um, I remember I got all this stuff, you know, I was like still in kind of the more Masonic understanding of this yeah. stuff, like the Manly Palmer Hall School, you know, mm. of like, you know, I really like mahogany bookshelves and leather chairs, and that's yeah. kind of what I'm into, but also the occult. And I read the Mystical Kabbalah by Dion Fortune. Mm. Dion Fortune is, is one of my favorite esoteric teachers of all time. Yeah. A lot of what she said, a lot of what she did that is in bad taste today was not in bad taste at her time. She conformed with the norms of her society, as yeah. we all do. Who knows in 10 years we're going to look back and be like, ooh, you, you, you got to forgive some, some or you, at least have understanding of that.
1: Because
0: mm. that's what a lot of people will bash her for. That and kind of like this, this uh, prudery when it came okay. to magic. Because you had her and Crowley at the same time. He's saying, you know, uh, do what thou wilt, sodomizing Victor Newberg in the Egyptian desert, <laughs> yeah. taking quaaludes and cocaine. And she's <laughs> like, no, you need to be, you need to control yourself if you're going to be able to handle this power. If and when yeah. it comes. But she, one of the most devastating lines I ever read in occultism, I opened that book up, and I, I think it's in the first, like introductory chapter, true spirituality requires no advertisement. Mm. and people will disagree with that but it hit me hard and i was like shit i wish i would have known that before i spent like a thousand dollars
1: on tattoos (laughs) (laughs) i mean i see it here in Nashville too and you know i want to be clear that i'm not like talking trash or bashing anybody or any like system or whatever but i do see it a lot in nashville you know people that are are deep into the spiritual community and, and have been for years and and they do all their stuff you know they go religiously to like yoga classes and you know they they read all of their their books you know and uh they do their 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 meditation and you know do their their ayahuasca journeys and stuff you know and but still like depressed still upset yeah. still like just it's not whatever they're doing is doing something for them but it's it's not getting them where they want to go right. you know whereas i see other people that maybe aren't doing any of that stuff but they're they're on this path right. you know and it's it's I guess I'm saying you can't really judge it either way. You, know? you can't,
0: yeah. That's, that's the important take home from that is that it's not that it's bad, but it's not the sh- most surefire. Like a way, the way a person looks is not the most surefire way to judge whether or not they're spiritual. Now, right, here's, right, right. now I mean, hasn't that been age-old wisdom, right? Don't judge a book by its cover. We normally yeah. associate that with like, don't make negative judgments. But yeah. just don't make judgments, Period. Off of what they yeah. look
1: like. And that's really what the saying I think is alluding to. And I think that does happen in the spiritual community. I'm sure you've seen it. And when I say spiritual community, that's an umbrella term. We're talking about like new agers versus, you know, ritual magicians. Mm-hmm. It's all under the same umbrella, right? But you'll see yeah, you definitely see that. I was talking to somebody the other day who was talking about it might be a little risque for your your podcast, but talking about um how they had gone to A uh, BDSM show somewhere, not in Nashville. It's it's like another city. And of course, they'd never been to one. It was like a little uncomfortable. Their friend, like, took them, uh, kind of like dragged them along. And this person had been, like, in this quote spiritual community for a while. And it's like, you know, the first thing I noticed, I mean, aside from all the weird stuff going on, was that, like, everybody was super friendly and, like, super welcoming. And, like, nobody was judging anybody about anything. Mm. It's like, coming from that spiritual community, it's like you you get a lot of judgy people, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there's a lot of, you know, holier-than-thou going on, you yeah. know. And it's just interesting because you would think that the whole point of spirituality is to transcend that, you know. And then you yeah. get these people that are apparently, like, depraved, doing weird BDSM stuff who are like... They've they've done that work, you know. They're yeah. not, they're not judging anybody for anything, and everybody's welcome. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting statement. You
0: know? Yeah, it's it's again, it's really hairy work when you get involved with spirituality because we have so much of what we understand or think we understand about spirituality that's spoon fed through to us through the media. People mm. people continually, you know, underestimate how influential and significant. The media is of all kinds—books, movies, television. Yeah, you know your mental diet is extremely important, but we automatically associate spiritual power with, you know, this kind of white light—very good, very gentle, mm-hmm. very kind—and um, and I, I be—I'll be, you know, maybe the first or second or third person to tell you that you can attain spiritual power <laughs> and not be good. You can become yeah. awake in the dream of reality <laughs> yeah. and be still
1: be a dark depraved person. You know, um, or maybe you've done 90% of the work, 95, 98, 99% of the work, but there's that 1% that you haven't transmuted yet, you know. That's where you see like certain high level spiritual masters who are now spiritual teachers who end up, you know, maybe they maybe they haven't transmuted their their sexual identity mm-hmm. so they end up like Hooking up with their students, you see that in the mm-hmm. whole yoga community a lot, or yeah. or, or I see that in the
0: massage community yeah, when I was in that school,
1: like they got it together, but they're kind of an asshole. So they haven't like really transmuted that mm-hmm. aspect.
0: That would probably be how most people explain me.
1: <laughs> he knows his stuff. He's really got it there, but he's kind of a dick. He's kind. Of, well, <laughs> you know
0: what the thing is? You know, it's it, it. What one of the axioms in Western occultism, specifically alchemy is separate the subtle from the gross with great industry and a gentle heat. Mm. It's a subtle heat that eventually, you know, gets more, I guess, right. rapid or or um, violent. But it, it, it has to start with a gentle heat. And who knows how right. long that alchemical process takes for each person. Nobody's ever completely black or white. You know? Right, it's, right. It's a lot of gray area, but I would say that I... I verged on the black, (laughs) the jet black. And uh, so for somebody who knew me like 15 years ago, even like 10 years ago, Mm. to see me now, stone sober, I own a home, Mm -hmm. I have a long-term partner, finished school, like most people would would not recognize me. You know, so it's like... The problem with with a lot of the spiritual community is that the the failure to recognize that I am, even though I'm on a spiritual path, you're meeting me at a specific point in my journey. I'm still in process. Yeah. You know, so it's like there's there's a lot of that that we forget. Like I'm not some, you know, everybody expects you to be this divine evolved being if you're quote unquote spiritual, but according to their own perception of what that means.
1: Right, I was thinking of uh, Alan Watts. Are you familiar yeah, with Alan absolutely, Watts? absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, apparently he was a pretty heavy alcoholic, yeah. like, most of his life, if not all of it, you know. Dude had it together, you know, super wise, you know, definitely tapped in, changed a lot of people's lives. But and then, of course, that also begs the question, like, well, does that mean that it was bad that he was an alcoholic? I mean, I guess, because it's not, he probably would have lived a lot longer. Yeah. But, like... Yeah, it's just an, uh, an indif- interesting concept. Of it is, it, is. A, uh, it
0: You know, a lot of times, um, I was talking about this with my sister earlier today, believe it or not, it's, you think about all the suffering you have to go through, and when you're on the other side of that, you're like, why did I have to go through that? But right. then you realize, like, I would still be the person I was before that happened, today, if it hadn't. So, like, our suffering, you know, the things we struggle with and the things we wrestle with are typically, right, if you're drowning... Mm-hmm. Typically, you try to swim to the air. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and it's it's the same thing with, with the dark happenings of our life. It forces us in the opposite direction, right? Once you hit right. rock bottom, like you have to go away from it, or you lay there and die, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, you know? so, yeah, and I guess that leads me to the final thing that I was going to say is about how uh, just bringing it back to to that center to to that that neutral force. You know, I've heard it said that you, you don't try to fight the dark side because the dark side thrives on conflict and fighting so like you'll never win mm. you know what you do is you stay in that neutral place you build that neutrality because the whole point of like I'm, I'm keep using the term dark side but you know that that the whole point of that is to separate to divide you know if the universe is in a constant state of expansion and contraction you know it's trying to hold everything at contraction. Not let it expand, right? So if you're if you're focused on that neutral and you're building a neutral force in yourself, you know it has no power over you because you're not in polarity. You're in like a unity consciousness, if you will.
0: I gotta say, man, I, I learned
1: a tremendous amount from this conversation. <laughs> I'm gonna be thinking about it on the drive home. Me too, man. Yeah, yeah we should definitely uh, we should definitely do more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You let me know when, worshipful brother Phil Queen. Thank you so much for for absolutely. talking with me, man. It's a real pleasure, dude.
1: Yeah.